All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guy, Trevor Twidwell. What's good, everybody? Episode 164 in full swing, full motion. We are so happy for you guys to be here with us as we are here with you because, as you guys know, this is draft week coming up. We have the official 2022 NFL draft coming up, man. We are so stoked for this one. Even though the fact that the Chiefs are not a team that are in immediate need of anything when it comes to quarterback, thanks to Patrick Mahomes, this is still a draft that I think the Chiefs could really benefit off of and be very aggressive, seeing they have tied for the most draft picks, I believe, this uh, year uh, with 12. There's a lot of opportunities. I've been, As I've been saying on social media for the last week, the Chiefs have a lot of great options, or a lot of options, and they're all great. They can have many different scenarios and do different things with this draft if they want to and have a successful draft if they wish. Before we get to all that, before we get to our, our official draft predictions, uh, as I promised you guys on social media this week, I want to thank everybody, that whether you're live streaming, whether you're uh, podcasting, whether you're YouTube, we want to thank you so much for being with us each and every week. We've had 164, 163 episodes so far, and we're here to give you guys 164. If you have time today, or while you're listening to this or watching this, if you could, go ahead and go to our YouTube channel, hit subscribe. We're trying to reach 1,000 subscribers so we can really start to monetize this and open up this thing even more so with interactions with fans, interactions with the audience, you guys, because we definitely, our, our biggest intent, our biggest goal is to have you a part of this show just as much as we are we want it to be very interactive and we hope that you guys would want to join us and getting that to that place but nevertheless we want to thank you for being here with us because we know that you guys have fun each and every week like we do and speaking of having fun guys i i told you trevor you guys you guys remember when we talked about this obsession that so many people have with getting a wide receiver early in the draft. The Chiefs have to go and get one because they traded away Tyreek Hill. So therefore, that's just the pressing immediate uh, need that the Chiefs have in this draft. And I've pushed up, I've pushed against that. I've I've pushed back on that rather. I've said multiple times that not only is it not the the biggest need for the Chiefs in this draft, but so many, and I mean so many current wide receivers in the NFL came after the first round. And I listed those guys off. I mean, just a few of them that I named off last week in last week's episode with you. I mean, we talked about Devontae Adams in the second round, Tyreek Hill in the fifth, Cooper Cup in the third, Stephon Stephon Diggs in the fifth, Tyler Lockett in the third, uh, Debo Samuel in the second, Chris Godwin in the third, A.J. Brown in the second. And the list just goes on and on and on. And trust me when I say it goes on for about another 20 names, 20 to 25 names. And these are top-tier wide receiver ones, wide receiver twos in this league. Which I get. The Chiefs do want to go and get a guy that has that type of ilk, that type of talent and ability. I'm not opposed to adding that type of guy. My point, though, is the Chiefs can do that without sacrificing one of these first two picks in the first round, which is 29th and 30th overall. And I decided to make an even bigger pushback on this narrative by going out and showing and providing, and by the way, you can follow us, you can see all of our social medias on the bottom of the screen, 
I put this out here, uh, I believe just yesterday or the day before, about the pass rushers that were taken in the first round since 2013. And I'm going to go ahead and list some of these names off for you guys. Aaron Donald. That should just end it right there. We can, <laughs> can just say that name. Uh, but Miles Garrett, hmm. TJ Watt, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, Micah Parsons, Khalil Mack, Bradley Chubb, Josh Allen, Marcus Davenport, DeForest Buckner, Leonard Floyd, Quentin Williams, Hassan Reddick, Ezekiel Ansa, Bud Dupree, Leonard Williams, Vic Beasley, Dante Fowler, Brian Burns, Montez Sweat. I mean, I just listed off 20 to 25 of the best pass rushers in today's NFL. And none of them came in the first round. Now, I'm sorry, all of them came in the first round. Yeah. None of them made it out of the first round, I should say. I apologize. And that's the point I'm trying to make, is when it comes to positional value, when it comes to what the Chiefs need, the biggest area of need is clear and evident. It is at pass rush. They were 29th in sacks last season. They kept Frank Clark. Melvin Ingram currently isn't on this team, and he was one of the biggest difference makers on this team, and he was in his 30s as a mid-season pickup for one year, $4 million. That's how desperate the Chiefs have been at that position. Now, again, I understand that losing Tyreek Hill creates a gaping hole. But what closes it a little bit is when you add guys like Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS to the equation. You have McCool Hardman coming up on a contract year. I'm not saying those guys can replace Tyreek Hill because they can't. Yeah. There is no replacing Tyreek Hill. Do I think the Chiefs could potentially be trading for a veteran wide receiver before the draft? Yeah. I do think that's something they are, they are an option they are exercising if they can. But I'm basing my draft picks, I'm basing what I have as predictions for the Chiefs in this draft based solely upon what I think they do in the draft. There, we've heard reports of Kadarius Toney out of the New York Giants might be available to trade for. Just a rookie last season, had a decent year, missed uh, I think seven or eight games due to a shoulder injury. Yeah. Maybe the Chiefs exercise something like that. I saw our guy over at Arrowhead Live talking about that on Twitter last night. There are options for the Chiefs here. But I think the best course of action is for the Chiefs to be as aggressive as possible with these draft picks. They have 12 of them. Now, four of them are in the seventh round. But I'm going to talk about this a couple times during the show. Not only do the Chiefs have 12 picks in this year's draft, they have nine in next year's draft, which means they have 21 draft picks to mess with in this draft. You can trade future draft picks to move up or move back or do whatever you want to do in this draft. Damn, and that is half of a roster right there. And that is exactly what I think the Chiefs are going to do in this draft. I think the Chiefs are going to utilize a ton of picks in this draft and in next year's draft to do what they want in this draft because they know how important this draft is in particular in building the future, building the present and future team around Patrick Mahomes with young players. And I, I couldn't be more excited about this, guys, because I think that there's a, a great opportunity for the Chiefs to do what they want to do um, to build this team the way they want to and give both sides of the coaching staff exactly what they need. Because if you look at a wide receiver, there's going to be plenty of guys where Andy Reid can say, I want that guy, and I want to take him in this, this round. And then you have Steve Spagnuolo says, I want this guy, and I can take him in this round. See, there's advantages for the Chiefs because they're not limited to taking what is given to them. They can go and get it. And I love that about this draft. I think in particular this one, they, they can do that more than any other draft, especially in the Veach era. And... Um, I just, man, I, I, I'm really ready to get this thing going right now if I can. But I want to get, Trevor, I want to get your thoughts without giving your predictions away. What do you think is 
the mindset going into this draft from the Chiefs? Do you think it's similar to what I'm saying, or do you think they could be looking at this from a different point of view? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much right there with you. I think I think Veach has kind of shown that he's going to do things a little bit different this offseason. Uh, he hasn't been nearly as aggressive. Um, you know, we, I know we made the the Justin Reed. That was an essential move, though, because we obviously didn't. We, we moved on from Tyron, so we needed to make a uh, an immediate fill-in, someone who we, knew, we know would be a day one. Right, so going into the draft without a starting safety, really. I mean, I know we have Juan Thornhill, but he hasn't really proven to be the guy yet. Um, so losing Tyron, we needed an immediate fill-in, and I think Justin Reed, the Justin Reed move, made way too much sense. That was the only real like big move we made outside of obviously getting, letting Tyreek go and, and getting MBS and Juju. Um, but yeah, I think I think he's proven this isn't going to be, and we'll, obviously we'll get into what we think is going to happen during the draft. I think this is gonna, this isn't going to be your typical big splashy, sexy. Uh, you know, draft season from Brett Veach. I think this is something where we really utilize um, the riches that we have, you know, and um, and just go all in and similar to like a, a Belichickian type of way, you know, use that and bring in as many bodies in as you can and have, you know, a plethora of talent to evaluate and, and you know, you know, sift through those guys and, and, and see who sticks and find as many talent, as, find, accumulate as much talent as, as possible. And I think that's what we're doing, young talent too. You know, we got to keep guys here for, for a while on, as cheap as possible because we have an expensive quarterback. We have the best quarterback. We have other guys that are getting paid right now. Uh, we got a, a left tackle that we're going to have to pay soon. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think I don't think I don't I don't think trading up to get a, a receiver is is what's going to happen. I don't think we're that desperate to do that. I think we we could find talent, obviously, like the, like the guys you've listed. Um, and I think defense has got to be the focus right now, um, especially with the upgrades that all the other opposing teams in this division has made offensively and defensively, but especially offensively with the quarterback changes and, and the weapons that are here now with Devontae Adams and. Yeah, we've got to get that much better defensively, and we're that much worse right now. We've lost names instead of adding names, so we need to get some young, aggressive talent uh, defensively, and I think that's going to be the focus in the draft, which we will get to that. Um, but, yeah, man, so I'm, I'm pretty much right there with you. I, I think we're going to utilize the the picks that we do have, this, especially this draft. That's what I think um, the Chiefs have been telling us all off season. Yeah, is that, like you said, they played a very conservative approach in free agency and in, tra- in trades. They made – some moves, like you said, with Justin Reed, Juju, MVS, yeah. guys like that. You bring back Austin Wiley. Uh, you, you know, you bring back guys that, or you bring back guys you know, and you br- you bring in guys you're comfortable with on <laughs> prove it deals. Essentially, even yeah. Justin Reed, you can get out of that contract of the second year. I mean, even, I mean, like we even thought we even thought there was going to be some big splash moves. Which I mean, sure, a Josh Allen could get. We could trade for a Josh Allen in this draft. That yeah. could very well happen. We could go get a proven guy. With the picks we have, he's a first got a round. Week. Yeah, yeah that, <laughs> things can still happen, but I think the the pace that we're at, I think we're kind of, I think the writing's kind of on the wall how we're going to approach this. Right. And even like when immediately when when Brett Veach started his presser yesterday, they're talking about you know who is the trading, uh, who's the the trading asset or whatever the 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 the, the trading possible player that was out there and he, was, he immediately said oh Debo Samuels <laughs> so like he he's obviously aware of the of the rump the you know the the rumblings and ramblings that have been going on from the fan base and you know amongst social media and so on so I think he's well aware of that but I think he he's like listen man we're not gonna yeah we we got rid of Tyreek we, we made that move we're not gonna bring in someone that's gonna demand damn near the same amount of money that'd be a stupid move that would honestly it'd be a a shot at Tyreek if we did yeah. that yeah. So I, I understand that we made that move for a reason. We're going to try to get younger and cheaper right now, and I think that's the smartest move. Yeah, it's the smartest move, and I think that it's it's showing us that 
we think we have such a tight grip of understanding what this team's trying to do from year in and year out. I didn't. I, I told you guys uh, months ago that the the the, the running back tour is over and dead. We're, we're not in that area anymore. That, that that did what it did. They got to two Super Bowls, and now it's another way to now you got to reconfigure how to build a Super Bowl team. And the beautiful thing is the Chiefs have such advantages that in this draft, like I said, they can be aggressive and take risks mm. and still have six to. 10 picks to yeah. mess with if they really want to. That's the advantage here. But I think that the Chiefs are viewing um, the, the draft, this draft class, more from a quality perspective, not a quantity. Obviously, you accumulate yeah. picks. I don't think they were anticipating trading Tyreek Hill this offseason, despite no. what some have said. No, I don't. Not. I anticipate they were trying to keep Tyreek Hill, use the you know seven picks they already had in this draft to make this team better. And I think they were only going to you know utilize six picks at most in this draft anyway. Because um, if you notice, like I said, since 2017, even before Veach mm-hmm. took over, the Chiefs have only drafted exactly six. Selections every single year in the draft. Yeah. So I don't think this this is the type of team that's looking for you know taking ten players because I don't think that's a reality for them. Especially again when you have four seventh round picks, which are essentially just used as ammunition in trades, trading mm-hmm. up, trading down, trading for players, things of that nature. Right. You just accumulate seventh round picks and you just kick them down the down the road. So I think that's what the Chiefs are doing. I think they're looking at quality. I think that they've been given the go because if you look at when Brett Veach first started. The Chiefs gave him the green light to be as aggressive with trading away picks, with trading away guy, trading away uh, 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 what ifs for sure things or what they thought were sure things. I think in this year, I think what they're showing us is the Chiefs are putting the green light on Brett Beach to say, okay, now you can be just as aggressive just with draft picks for draft picks. I think that's what they want to do. I think they want to get a little cheaper and, and, and nail it in this draft unlike any other year before, including even last year's when the Chiefs got three starters in Creed Humphrey, Nick Bolton, and Trey pa- uh, Pancake Papa well, Smith yeah, in that, that draft. And, 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 the, and the fact that uh, wide receivers are out here trying to get the the bag yeah. right now. So it's not, not the best time to go get a Debo Samuel. I mean, as much as I would love yeah. to see Debo Samuels in this offense, and I think David, Debo Samuels would love to be in this offense as well. And I think every talking head I've seen on TV is like, Kane City is the spot for him. It's, it's just probably not going to happen just because of the, the the amount of money these receivers are trying to get right now. And even with that considered, I would still rather the Chiefs go and trade for one of those kind of guys, like a Terry McLaurin, a Debo, a guy like that, than go and trade um, – then go and trade up for a wide receiver. I would rather that because of the fact that if you're going to make trades like that for a wide receiver, mm-hmm. whether it's a draft draftee or a current wide receiver, you got to go with what you know. In my opinion, this is just my opinion. I'm not saying that Brett Veach looks at it this way, but I would imagine that if you're trying to use draft capital at that position, you have to be able to go and get something you know that day one is going to benefit this offense because it's going to be expensive whether it's draft capital and extension or just draft capital period and this guy becomes either a bust or a great player to me i would much rather take the risk because it's gonna be a risk either way yeah i would much rather take the risk on a mid-20s guy that i know is what he is than a guy that's in his early 20s that's either coming off an injury or it didn't do enough in college to give me the the solace that he's going to be something great in this league yeah i mean but uh, i mean uh, if we know anything about andy Reid and, and brett veach they know how to find those guys you know, I mean, they know how to find the right guys for this offense, and they've they've not, they've done nothing but that for the most part, especially offensively. I mean, McColl, say what you want about him, but McColl's produced. He's done nothing but produce here. He's had moments where he's had lulls, and people forget about him. But his numbers have been up there with the Debo Samuels and all these guys over the last few years. So, I mean, I think it's a win-win. I think the Chiefs are in a win-win position right now, to where they can do whatever they want and find success both ways, both avenues. Um, 
I, I think I just think that receivers are. I mean, receiving money is probably not going to go down anytime soon. Honestly, next season it probably it might be even more. Someone's probably going to top Tyreek eventually, and that could be Debo. And I'm just not willing to pay a guy that right now. Um, I think I think it is smarter to go the younger route and try to. I mean, I know these guys are unproven, um, but I think I think maybe grabbing a couple receivers in this draft might be the better idea as far as. Tra- you know, trading picks away because it's not much different than trading up to get a receiver that you have a lot of faith in that you like a lot in the draft rather than trading away a first-round pick and going to get a Debo Samuel, who is a proven guy but also is going to want big money right away, at least within the year or so of being here, rather than having a guy on a three-, four-year deal, rookie right. deal that's going to be cheap as hell and producing on big big numbers. So, I mean, it's a win-win, really. It really now, is a win-win for the Chiefs. Now, to the theory of – if something like you know, my biggest fantasy would be to trade for Josh Allen out of Jacksonville, like you did bring up just a few minutes ago. Yeah. If if that was a scenario that did end up happening within the next few days, that's what we all want. I then I do that does change the draft entirely. And if, then if the Chiefs were to want to get a little more aggressive and go and get a wide receiver, I'm not as upset about it because you answered the edge rush position. Yeah. But even with that, I think that the Chiefs still need to focus their energy and their attention in this draft on the defensive side because edge rush, yes, is the biggest need. But you still have other needs on that defensive line alone with also linebacker and corner and safety help that you absolutely need at all three levels. So I really hope because of the fact they've been so conservative, conservative in free agency and in trades to this point, I would hope that that's going to be the, the, the focus here because whether the Chiefs believe it or not, yes, this is an offensive driven team. But you look out. You look throughout history, teams that neglect or don't take it as seriously on the defensive side don't win Super Bowls. Yep. You look, look, look at the Chiefs in themselves. The Chiefs should have been in the Super Bowl in 2018. There's no reason in the world that team should not have been in the Super Bowl. You know why they weren't though? Because they didn't have a defense that could stop Tom Brady and that Patriots vanilla offense. So. I really hope that the Chiefs look at this and the way they and I keep making this comparison the overcorrectness they made at the offensive line last draft where they made sure and got everybody with not even just draft free agency and trades trading for Orlando Brown Jr. signing Joe Tooney yep. going and drafting Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith you recreated your entire offensive line mm-hmm. that is a big reason why the Chiefs had the success they had down the stretch in the playoffs last year Without a doubt. So, yeah, exactly. So, you overcorrect that way. It, it benefits your team in the long run because it's going to, because this offensive line is only going to get better as the next year or two goes by as these guys develop. But also the fact that if you look on the defensive side, as expensive as their defensive line has been, it didn't work. So, you need to overcorrect that as well. You know, Chris Jones is making a ton of money. Frank Clark's making a shit ton of money. And they haven't been as effective as you'd like to be. Chris Jones is a great player, but as we all know, Chris Jones doesn't have a single sack in 12 regular se- or 12 playoff games in his career. That's inexcusable. And they got to get better at Edra. Sure, adding a Melvin Ingram, going to get Najiri Hughes. Those free agents would be awesome veteran signings. But those aren't guys that you can rely on anymore at this stage of their careers. No. They're veteran rotational pieces. So you need to go and get blue-chip cornerstone pieces to build your defense around. And quite frankly, build around Patrick Mahomes. Because Patrick Mahomes' Super Bowl success is going to hinge on how good his defense is. Because he won his only Super Bowl in a year they had the seventh-ranked defense. That 2019 defense was unbelievably good down the stretch. First couple of weeks of the season, it was rough. Yep. But they had a lot of new pieces and they had to work it out. I'm okay with that if that happens again with a bunch of young players. But you got to get them the talent. you got to get them the guys that Steve Spagnuolo can put in the best position to succeed and not hope that Frank Clark can turn the tide when he has clearly shown he can't. And yeah. he's, in his, he's in his late 20s now. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So without further ado, we are now 20 minutes or so into the show. Let's get into this, Trevor. I want you to give me 
with the 29th overall pick, what do the Chiefs do? So, I, I mean, I feel like, like I said, like we've said over and over again ad nauseum on this show, that we, the Chiefs have a plethora of riches. We have all the leverage here. Um, if we wanted to trade up or trade back, however we wanted to do this, I think we stay put with these first two picks in this draft towards the end of the first round. Um, I think we take a edge rusher with our first pick. I think we have to take the best edge rusher um, available. And I think there's going to be some good guys that slide because there's a lot of sexy wide receivers up towards the top. There's teams that need quarterbacks. Um, there's always like running back, not running backs necessarily over the last few years, but there's always other positions, linebackers, outside linebackers. There's going to be some edge guys that go obviously before here. But there's a lot of talent here at this position, and I'm not sure what the name is. I'm not. I'm not going to give you a name, but I do think at the 29th overall pick, I think we do take an edge. I think that's our biggest need right now is getting pressure on the quarterbacks, and I think we go and get a young stud at the 29th overall pick. See, this is this is something that I found interesting about what Brett Veach said in his press conference this last week. Well, by the time you're listening to it, it'll be probably a couple days after. Yeah. But it was yesterday once we were recording this. He never mentioned the 29th pick. Mm-hmm. He kept talking about what they would do at 30. That's because I'm almost 100% certain the Chiefs are going to utilize that that 29th pick in a trade. Now, I spent hours, and I mean hours, these last couple days trying to figure out not if the Chiefs are going to trade that 29th pick, but when and with who. And here's the interesting thing, man. You know, I hear about the Vikings at 12 want to move out. I hear about, you know, other teams that are around – the 15-16 mark, like the New Orleans Saints, maybe want to move back and get a couple more picks and help rebuild their team. It, here's the thing about what the, where the Chiefs are at right now. They can't trade up 10, 12 spots and hope that one of these blue-chip edge rushers are there. Yeah. They have to be as aggressive as they have ever been since Patrick Mahomes, the, since they traded, dra- traded up and tra- drafted Patrick Mahomes. They traded up 17 spots for Patrick Mahomes. Gave up two essentially first-round picks, and I believe an additional third-round pick. To move into the top ten. To move in, yeah, yeah, to move into the top ten from 27. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Chiefs are going to do something very similar to that, and I'm going to tell you how. I think the Chiefs are going to trade the 29th overall pick and next year's first-round pick along with a third-round pick this year, the 103rd overall pick, Plus two fourth-round picks, the 121st overall pick this year, and a fourth-round pick next season, along with an additional seventh-round pick this year, the 234th overall pick, to the New York Giants to get the seventh overall pick to get the best available pass rusher, which would be uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, Jermaine Johnson possibly. I don't think that Aiden Hutchinson or any of those guys are going to be there. Yeah. Trevon Walker, I don't think those guys are going to be there. top five guys. But those three guys will more than likely still be in the back end of the top ten. Man. I think the Chiefs are going to utilize five, six picks to move up both picks or both from both drafts, yeah. not just this year, but next year's first round pick. Because if the Chiefs were to get the Chiefs were to get in the Super Bowl next year, if the Chiefs were to get in the Super Bowl this year, that's the thirty first overall pick mm. at worst, thirty first, thirty second overall pick. So you're essentially trading a twenty ninth and a thirty first or thirty second overall pick to get into the top ten. Sign me up. The Giants have the fifth overall pick and the seventh overall pick. So with a team like Brian Dayball that's trying to build a new nucleus can go and get himself six additional picks for the seventh overall pick mm-hmm. and two of them are first-round picks, sign him up. Man. I think they do it. It would give them, if you look at it right here, 
The Giants already have the fifth overall pick, so utilizing the seventh would help them. Uh, it, it would give them additional two first-round picks, three third-round picks, along with two fourth-round picks in just this year's draft. So it benefits both teams, and the Chiefs can go and get their guy. They don't wait 16 to 20 picks and wait and see who's still left. I yeah. don't think those guys are going to be there at 15, 16, 17. So the Chiefs have to go and trade in the into the top 10, and they have clearly the draft capital to do it, and you're not costing yourself all your valuable picks. The, the Chiefs still have the 30th overall pick and still have two second-round picks and an additional third-round pick to mess with after doing this trade. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? No, I, I, I mean, I would love that. That's that's the Veach that we know. That's that's a definitely a Veach type of move. Uh, to go get a guy that he wants, one of his guys, because we all know Veach has his guys on the board, and then everyone else, you know, he has those highlighted names. Um, I'm sure there's definitely guys up there that they would love to go move up and get. And there's also a situation, too, where, I mean, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars have the first overall pick. You know, if they wanted to grab another first overall pick, we can maybe trade that first pick and maybe in next year's, you know, fifth or sixth round pick or whatever uh, for Josh Allen, straight up. You know, and that, that way they can have two first round picks, and they're, they're a team that's really trying to build and reconstruct and restructure that entire roster, which they've already done a lot through free agency. Why not do that through the draft, having an extra first round pick? Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's def- that scenario right there that you laid out is definitely uh, aggressive, um, and that is in Veach's nature, which we haven't seen much of that this offseason so far, but draft time comes around. The, the, he gets his, his itchy fingers, you know what I mean? Yep. He wants to push those buttons. Um, so that I would love. I would love to see us go get one of the best edge rushers um, in the draft. Um, you know, a young body that's going to be here on the cheap for a few years. That is the that is the ideal situation because we have overspent on edge rushers that have not produced um, over the last few years. And that's just, you know, been a frustrating thing to exist in. Uh, so that situation would definitely be ideal, man. Yeah, and 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 no no offense to you know sit, sitting back at 29th. Uh, like I know Shaggy felt the same way. You know the Chiefs yeah. just sit back. That's what I have us doing. Yeah. For for me though, man, I I just can't imagine that that guy that they are they are big on is going to be there. 28, 29 picks into the draft. I think yeah, obviously you can find that guy because like I was saying about the first round, mm-hmm. not every guy was a top 10 pick in that list that I gave, but the majority of them outside of TJ Watt were in the top 15 picks. TJ Watt, I think, was the 29th overall pick, so I, that would be funny to see that a guy like TJ Watt fall to the Chiefs at 29, but that that is, that is such a rare thing to see. So I think that the Chiefs see a guy that they know is still there after like the after pick five and the Giants already take their first selection, mm-hmm. and they see that two of those one or two of those guys are still sitting there they have to make that trade up and again you, you talk about the 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 trading uh out of the out of the conference you're giving a, a bad team more picks which i think they'll always be up for and the fact that brian's able's relationship with the chiefs being a former coach here i think that would also help with the relationship as well because i try to connect those dots with the jaguars and yeah. the chiefs with you know doug, doug, doug peterson and joe colin now uh so yeah that's what i think they do with the 29th overall pick and i will say this i've heard no one else say anything close to that. I mean, the closest I heard somebody else make the prediction of the Chiefs trade up to 12 with the Minnesota Vikings, which, again, would be a good, reasonable pick, too, and you'd have to, you wouldn't have to give up as much. Yeah. But moving up five more picks assures you that you're going to get a guy in the top ten that can be an absolute dis- difference maker day one at the edge rush, and I think that's what the Chiefs do. So moving up to uh, the 30th overall pick, Trevor, what do you think the Chiefs do with this one? So I think we stay put here as well. Um uh, I'm not predicting like a big. I'm not predicting, which I, w- I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing a situation like you just laid out. Uh, I'm predicting, you know, us to stay here as well. And I think, I think with the 30th overall pick, I think we take the best wide receiver available. Um, I think this is where we go receiver. I think we go to def- defense and in re- offense in the first two picks because um, I think, you know, 
you don't you don't trade away a Tyreek Hill and not utilize one of those early picks to to get a replacement, a possible replacement. Um, it's similar to like when um, the Vikings traded away Stephon Diggs and they went and they traded up or they 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 utilized those or the early pick to get Justin Jefferson. Right, and he ended up being the better receiver. I'm not saying we're going to find a better receiver in the first round at the 30th pick than Tyreek Hill, which it is possible. That is that is definitely possible. I mean, it's a lot some. There's some big shoes to fill there production-wise. Um, but I, I think there is a lot of talent in this draft offensively with these receivers. A lot of fast guys, um, you know, some good-sized guys. So I, I think this is where we go receiver for our first uh, offensive player. I think this this is the, the 30th overall pick, I think, is the spot where we, we go wide, wide out. Well, this is where you and I massively differ on this one because I've been preaching defense, defense, defense. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm sticking on the defensive side. With a 30th overall pick, I believe the Chiefs are going to go defensive tackle. Mm. And the reason why, a couple reasons, I think the guys like Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt could very well still be there at the very end. I think those are two prolific defensive tackles that are also known to get to the quarterback, which is something the Chiefs definitely need. And here's the biggest reason why. This might very well be the last season Chris Jones is a Chief. Yeah. Think about it. He's going to be 28 years old this season. We know the Chiefs do not like re-signing guys after 28 years old, or even at 28 years old. He's going to want money. He's already worth over $27 million this season, and will be over about right around the exact same next season at 29 years old. And that's that's when the Chiefs can get out of his contract. I think that I think there's a very good chance that this is the last season that Chris Jones will be here. And I don't think I definitely don't think the Chiefs are going to extend Chris Jones after 29 years old. Unless he just has two stellar seasons, but even then, unless he wants to take a, a team-friendly deal, type, I thing. highly doubt that at his position. But you, you never know; you could, that could be the case. But also with the fact that there, there is something to Chris Jones' inability to get to the quarterback in the playoffs. Finishing, yeah. I know. I know people say, "Well, he gets double teamed a lot." Yes, but he gets double teamed every week. Well, he gets there; he just doesn't finish. Right, that's and the I, biggest need, problem. The Chiefs need guys moving forward that can do that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you're going to find a guy that's as great as Chris Jones immediately. But no. you got to remember, Chris Jones was a second-round pick. Right. And if you can go and get a guy at the tail end of the first, you're getting that value early in the draft. If you can get a guy that's close to what Chris Jones is. And I think that's what the Chiefs need to go and get, is get a guy that could potentially replace Chris Jones and, at worst, work alongside him for the next season. Mm. And I think that's what the Chiefs need to do, is to continue to sure up the pass rush and stopping the run and going in a guy in the middle of the defense. And I think that's what the Chiefs do with the 30th overall pick, is getting into defensive tackle. With the 50th overall pick, Trevor, what do you think happens? Well, I think we add to the defense here. I think we, I think this is a good spot to go because I think there's going to be a, a good amount of linebackers, outside linebackers uh, that slip uh, into this early second round. And this is obviously where we get into the sweet spot for Brett Veach, the second, third, and fourth rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where his guys tend to tend to uh, you know reside. Um, so I think I think this is a spot where at the 50th spot um, in the second round. Where we go, we, we grab another linebacker, possibly another outside linebacker, versatile guy. You know, uh, Veach and, and Andy Reid and um, um, Spags, he like those versatile guys that you can kind of move around along the line. Um, I think this is where we find a, a, a quicker, another f- fast uh, speedster kind of linebacker that can play the edge and move around towards the middle and put him wherever we want. Kind of like a Willie Gay, another athletic linebacker to be alongside him because I think that would be a great addition to have two linebackers that are quick because we're this this obviously speed is the name of the game nowadays you know so linebackers got to be a tend, tend to be a little lighter um and we already have our you know our our banger that's you know in bolton so i think having two other speedster linebackers uh with willie gate another young guy around uh nick bolton would be a, a nice little trio of linebackers there um so 
I think we go outside linebacker linebacker here in this at this uh, pick this spot. Okay. You and I are 100% on board here. We're in lockstep on this one. I think with a 50th overall pick, the Chiefs are going to get an outside linebacker slash defensive end, a guy that mm-hmm. they want to convert either way. Um, I still think there's going to be a lot of value at 50. I think yeah. that you have uh, Boye Mafe and Arnold uh, Ibikiti. I think that's how you say his last name. I've heard different people say it different ways. If they want to convert him, he's from Penn State, 23 years old, so he's a very seasoned, experienced I love player. I Penn State guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tom Lee, for instance. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about some, some greats here. They produce here. good defensive linemen, for they, sure. I think they could convert him either from defensive, line, uh, defensive end to outside linebacker if they really wanted to run that 3-4 defense still. I think those are two guys that will possibly be there. Uh, Jobu, I know from Michigan, people are still talking about him, but if I'm not mistaken, he just tore his Achilles at his pro day. Yeah. So he's going to miss his rookie year. I don't want to see the Chiefs take a player in the top 50 that ain't going to contribute day one. That's I want day risk. one contributors. Yeah. If they were more aggressive, again, in free agency and in trades during the offseason before the draft with guys at that position, I'd be okay with going and getting a rookie like that and letting him sit his rookie year, basically red shirt, and then go come back the next season. But they got to get a guy that, that that is on the opposite end, like you said, of Willie Gage. Junior and help sure up that that outside linebacker position because it's wide open right now. Mm-hmm. They don't have that guy right now, so I think that they need to go and get that guy at number fifty, and I think that's what they do with the sixty seventh, sixty second overall pick. Trevor, what do you think happens? I think I see us adding right right once more to the defensive line. I think I have us taking another defensive end, uh, defensive lineman. Um, I, I like we've said. You can't have right now. We can't have enough bodies to compete to who's going to be, uh, uh, you know, getting after the quarterback this season. So I think adding another defensive lineman, uh, still a fairly early pick in the sixty sixty second pick in the in the second round. I think that's the sweet spot. I think there's going to be a lot of guys still available. I think this is where Brett Veach is just you know starts rubbing his hands together and finds his guys. He finds those diamonds in the rough type of guys. Granted, this is not the rough. It's the second round. Still, still you know early on. There's still a lot of talent sitting here. So I think another defensive end. Um, another edge rusher going after another young guy at the, at the edge. Um, you can't have enough of those right now. Uh, and we need, we need bodies of that position. And I think we stack up early by taking two within the first four picks. I like it. Yeah. I think we got to go there. Something that Brett Veach said in the press conference this week as well is that he was talking a lot about the second and third rounds and how there's a lot of value in those two draft. Those I feel uh, he says that draft. every year. <laughs> but see, I think that he could be baiting teams to yeah. try to trade with the Chiefs there. Of course. Um, and, and there is a scenario still where I do think that around this time of the draft, the Chiefs can make a trade for either a veteran player or trade up even further into the draft to trade back. There's a lot of scenarios here. I, I kept it. I kept a chalk here, though, just for the, 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 the sake of conversation of what I think the Chiefs will do with draft picks, mm. not outside. Because I can very well see it. The Chiefs trade this a 67th overall pick and a future pick or a couple other later-round picks and try to go get a, a, a Terry McLaurin from the Washington Commanders or try to get a Tyler Lockett, you know, somebody like that. Um, but I, I, I'm going to stay put here, and I think because of the fact that there's going to be a lot of value here, I think that this is where the Chiefs take a wide receiver. Because it's 67th, 62nd overall, which is still in the third round. I'm sorry, the second round. Mm-hmm. And this is right where I think the best place to find wide receivers is at. Because as I mentioned before, I mean, look look at the list that I put together. I mean, and the guys that I, I listed off last week, Devontae Adams was a second-round pick. Debo Samuel was a second-round pick. A.J. Brown was a second-round pick. Michael Thomas was a second-round pick. D.K. Metcalf was a second-round pick. Allen Robinson, Curtis Samuel, Juju Smith-Schuster, T. Higgins, Robert Woods, Tyler Boyd, Jarvis Landry, Chase Claypool, McCall Hardman, Michael Pittman Jr. Like, so many names. Studs. Yes. I mean, yeah. outside of McCall Hardman, almost every single one of those guys are wide receiver ones. Yeah. So... 
and these are dudes who were taken in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. So I think the Chiefs can go and find a guy like that. And actually, I think there's going to be a couple guys that drop that might surprise a few people in the wide receiver department. I think guys like George Pickens could fall. I know yeah. everyone's saying, oh, he's going to be a top 10, 15 pick. I don't think so. I think people are going to go and get Drake London. I think the guys are going to fall in love with Jamison Williams, even with his knee injury. I think the guys like uh, uh, from um, uh, Ohio State as well, uh, um, Damn it, number, uh, Curtis, I forget his name. but I know he's something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think guys like Traylon Burks and Jahan Dotson, George Pickens are all going to be there, or at least some of them are going to be there. As crazy as that sounds, we always see guys fall further than we expect, and I think in the second round you're going to find a wide receiver. The Chiefs are sitting there going, holy hell, we could, yeah, we can go and trade for Terry McLaurin, who will be 27 years old this year, mm. or we can go get a guy that has similar, similar skill sets and is bigger. With with better hands, whatever the case is. I mean, there there are options here at wide receiver, which is, again, why I have been preaching, don't overshoot for a wide receiver. Let them let this let the let the draft board and this is where you let the draft board form into itself and then you decide what you want to do. This is where you sit back. Because wide receiver is going to be a position where you can go and find a guy that can be a day one contributor in this offense because the Chiefs have advantages other teams don't have. Majority of other teams yeah. don't have. You don't have a young developing quarterback that needs a, a veteran receiver day one to, to help him. And you don't have a bad or average quarterback that you need as much help at wide receiver as possible. The Chiefs already have three guys that are essentially on uh, a contract year uh, for wide receiver, contract years. Right, they have, so to, then, they have to perform. Yeah, so if you yeah. add a young star to that equation, all of a sudden you have yourself a, a stable of motivated young wide receivers that yeah. Patrick Holmes could utilize the best way possible. And I think that's what they're going to do at 62. Like I said, if George Pickens or Jahad Dotson or uh, uh, Traylon Burks, which I'm actually – I love Traylon Burks. If mm. one of those guys are sitting there, the Chiefs have to take them at 62. Yeah. Okay, so with the 94th overall pick – Trevor, what do you think the Chiefs do? Well, like you said, all those things are true uh, about not oh, not oh, not, not so, tending, no no no. I, this is going to lead into my pick here. Okay. Uh, not leading, not you know, overreaching for a receiver, um, and you know we do have our quarterback that that will raise the talent of the other receivers that are on the roster now and whoever we take in this draft. But at the same time, we did lose a massive talent at receiver. We did lose a safety blanket at receiver for Patrick Mahomes, the guy he's relied on a lot. Um, so I think I think I think wide receiver is definitely a necessity, and that that's why I am going with receiver again in the third round, the fifth pick at the uh, our ninety fourth overall. Um, I think we could, we take another seat. I think it's some, like I agree with you. Uh, I think receivers' talent do fall even past the second round into the third round. I think there's going to be some guys available. I think we pull the trigger on a, another receiver here. Um, I think we try to go for the speed guy uh, early on. I think we try to find that 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 another addition to the speed that our offense thrives under. Um, and I think if there's another size guy here at this fifth pick, um, a taller, another taller guy that's a good, you know, uh, red zone kind of threat, uh, another fast, tall, lengthy guy uh, to add to it. Because we already, we've already gotten longer offensively, you know, with, with Juju and MVS. We got some more size this time around. Mm -hmm. um, so I think adding to that even more um, with the, our 94th overall, with the 94th overall pick in the third round, I think we take another receiver here um, mm -hmm. that's more to a size guy instead of a speed, speedster who I think we go for in the first round um a more playmaker in the first round but this i think we can take another guy that's you know six two six three uh i'm not sure who that is name wise i'm sure there's other people out there that can give you some names but i think uh, i think we take our best receiver available on the board here in the third round yeah 94th overall pick is a, a place that i i really love where the draft starts to take shape it's a fork in the road you're yeah. right yeah you're right in the middle of flyer picks and guys that can be franchise changers look 
I don't think anybody expected Nick Bolton to be a franchise changer. I think we all expected him to be a really good player at best. I like him a lot. But I think yeah. he's a franchise changer. Yeah. Having said that, I think that the Chiefs need more linebacker depth, in particular at the inside linebacker position. Mm -hmm. And I think that now with Anthony Hitchens being gone and Damian Wilson's been gone, you didn't go and get a Bobby Wagner. I think the Chiefs need to add another inside linebacker here. And I think there are some really good names out there that could still be there in the third round. Um, so, uh, someone like a Damone, a Damone Clark out of LSU or Kristen Harris out of Alabama, two mm -hmm. guys that have played in big games, know how to lead defenses, have been captains of their defenses, been guys that I think can really add a lot of talent and a lot of experience experience and a lot of calm to the middle of the defense because we know outside I mean the Chiefs had struggles beyond struggles at getting to the quarterback and sacking the quarterback but something else they've really struggled in is middle of the field middle of the field always being open getting a guy that can cover yep. those quick intermediate slant pattern passes and a guy that can make some good tackles in the middle of the field open field tackles Nick Bolton's got that down but Nick Bolton struggles with quickness and athleticism and being able to you know east to west it and go and make good pa uh, pass protection stuff like that you need another guy that can add to that I think Justin Reed's going to be a big contributor though to the middle of the field who is that I think Justin Reed yeah, absolutely if you watch his tape man that's why I love the signing he he like he, like he said, the first thing he said when he got here is that if anyone's coming into my territory, they're I'm gonna hit them. They're yeah. gonna know I'm there. Yeah. That's that's the mentality you want. I think that along with another athletic linebacker in the middle is is definitely huge. Especially like I said, speed is the name of the game nowadays. People are trying to you know replicate what the Chiefs have done with the fast pace. You know, get the ball out quick and have fast playmakers with with the yak and everything. Um, so that's yeah, I'm with you on that, man. That's a, that's a good pick. Now, the 103rd overall pick, I actually had traded away to the Giants. So okay. I don't have a pick there. So, Trevor, who do you have at the 103rd overall so pick? So I think, I think this is where we flip it a little bit. Um, I think I think we 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 have a need um, on the offensive side outside of wide receiver, and I think it is right tackle. Mm. Um, I, don't, I, I think we still need to focus on protecting Pat for the future. Um, I don't think we have a trustworthy right tackle. Um, I know Lucas Niang is a, a question mark right now. Um, I know we signed a um, – what's his name? Um uh, we can, we can, we resigned uh, Andrew Wiley, Wiley. Yeah. right? So I, I, he's he's good. He's not great, but he's he's a he's a solid fill in player. But I think we do need to get some more depth at that position because, um, like I said, Lucas Nying may or may not even play this year. He, if, depending if he does play, you know, who knows what his health is going to look like if he can, you know, for longevity purposes. So I think get, getting another uh, a good, you know, third round talent at right tackle here, I think makes sense. Um, it, it probably won't happen. We'll probably take one in like the seventh. Mm -hmm. But I think I think if there's a really because I think I think offensive linemen are going to slide in this draft. Yes. I think I think there's going to be a lot of good talent uh, in this third round. I think we can go get a really big aggressive right tackle to solidify this offensive line. Um, and you know if Andrew if Andrew Wiley and there's like a competition between the the Rook and Wiley and Yang. If Yang's not available, it's between him and, and Wiley. I would love to see a young big stud. Uh, right tackle come and solidify this this juggernaut offensive line. Um, I think I just think that's a that's a need still. I really do. I think the right tackle is a need. I think I still think this offensive line is a very important uh, amongst the the you know priorities of this team and keeping Pat on his feet and upright. So I think this is where we go and get a um, I know a versatile offensive lineman, but primarily a right tackle uh, here, a guy that can be a swing kind of guy that can move around, but also is primarily a right tackle because that's the the weakest link on this offensive line right now as far as namesake and talent wise. So I think that's where we go. I think okay. that's where we, we go. We take our first offensive lineman there. And obviously I traded away. <laughs> I'm just trading away picks here. I traded away the 121st. You get a pick. You get a pick. Yeah, I traded away the 121st uh, overall pick in the fourth round to the Giants as well. Who okay. do you have the Chiefs taking 121st? All right. I love this. is This is my favorite part of the draft, man. Going like in third and the fourth. I love this time, especially for
Christopher Veach. I think this is where we go get a safety defensive back. Okay. I think this is where we go get another guy that's going to compete with Justin Reed and Thornhill because we do need that. We need that depth. I know everyone's talked about maybe Tyron, maybe coming back. That's not going to happen. No. Um, that, that ship has sailed. So we need another playmaker at this position. We need another guy that can cover some ground. Um, I think Justin Reed is the perfect like bang, bang kind of guy. If you watch his tape, that dude lays people out. And he, he some, but sometimes he has a weakness to over a, a pursue, um, and he's been burnt deep. That's his biggest struggle. If you watch his tape, he gets burnt deep. So I think we need a more of a speedster kind of safety, um, a guy that's really good over the top, has corner capabilities. You know, um, kind of like kind of like a Legarius Need, who can kind of be that hybrid guy that can play safety, uh, slot corner, every every position, you can put him on the outside. But I think this is a, a, a we go get a defensive back here. That's a very versatile guy that could be another chess piece that we're going to miss with Tyron being gone now. You know, we're going to need another versatile guy. So getting a speedster uh, defensive back here, I think, is the best move, and I think that's something we did we take here in the fourth. Uh, yeah, with the 121st overall pick, I think we take a safety slash defensive back here. Now we have the 135th overall pick. Uh, this is uh, uh, the, the final fourth-round pick that the Chiefs have out of that trade that they got. I believe they got that from the, the Dolphins and the Tyree Hill trade. Mm-hmm. What do you see the Chiefs doing in 135? So here I have us taking a nose tackle defensive lineman. Okay. Uh, this is where I have them taking maybe the possibly the a Chris Jones backup or, a, or maybe the guy for the future. Because I, I do think – uh, some defensive linemen and, and primarily nose tackle position players are going to slide here as well. I think linebackers, defensive ends, and receivers, a lot of those are going to be flying off the board. Uh, so heading into the later round, later the fourth, mid-fourth round, I think there's going to be still be some good um, you know, defensive linemen available. And I think this is where we go and we get one. Um, a guy that's going to, you know, we don't, Chris Jones isn't always, a, he's he's been an Ironman for the last, you know, couple years but he's had moments where he's not been available in big games primarily so i think this is where we go get a young uh defensive lineman you know a guy that could be obviously we always get the versatile guys we tend to go uh, with guys that could play multiple positions on the line we do need to run stuff or we do need the guys i know we brought back uh, uh uh mike dana who i love i think he's been really good against the run having another guy like him uh, and, and well, I think Mike Dana was what a sixth round pick, fifth, fifth, fifth yeah, round fifth pick. Round. So this is that spot, the same similar spot, late fourth, early fifth, where you can find those guys, those glue guys that can help you know solidify this defensive line. And I think a lot of a lot of these late round guys, you know, have a tend to have a chip on their shoulder because they were taken later than they wanted to be taken. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so I think getting a, a nose tackle defensive lineman here uh, is a good sweet spot to find those aggressive guys with a chip on their shoulder that have a lot to prove heading into this league. And I think that's where we go. In that uh, with the 135th pick, I got some chaos again. Here we go. Uh, for the second time in this draft, I have the Chiefs trading up. I think with the 135th overall pick and the 244th and 260th overall picks, hmm. they trade with the Philadelphia Eagles for the 124th overall pick and the 237th overall pick. And with the 124th overall pick, the Chiefs finally take themselves a defensive back. Mm. Um, this is right where I believe the Chiefs start to value this position. I know they said in the recent uh, comments that you know it's been circumstantial and coincidental that they haven't taken a corner early. Yeah, I, I don't know if I believe that. I believe the Chiefs look at other positions and say, we can fill the cornerback position the way we have and still be okay. Yep. 
Do other teams see it differently, and do I understand why those teams see it that way? Yes, because you can go and get that. Obviously, shut down the Dolphins corner. do. Yes, right. <laughs> Obviously, the corner, the cornerback position can be can be more valuable to other teams than it is to other teams, and that's right. okay. But see, the only way I think this justifies the Chiefs treating it this way is that they get better edge. Because mm. if you're getting to the quarterback, your your corners look better. If you're getting to the quarterback, your corners don't need to be elite. You don't have to have Jalen Ramsey. But that's what makes the Rams defense so great is they have Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd, guys like that, can get to the quarterback. And you have Jalen Ramsey. Right. That's not that's a unicorn. You're not going to usually get both. So I'm choosing in this draft for the Chiefs to get better up front and then deal with adding some young and some veteran talent to the cornerback position like they have been over the last four years. The most money I think they've spent at cornerback for a veteran is Breland's or uh, uh Bashad Breland. Bashad, yeah. You know, and that was like four four or five million dollars. So it wasn't like they were spending big money, but he was a key contributor to them winning at Super Bowl. Absolutely was. And I think that's what the Chiefs are gonna do with a veteran cornerback, a Kyle Fuller. A guy like that adding some veteran presences to the cornerback position. But with this 124th overall pick from the Eagles, I think the Chiefs go and get a guy that can play not only cornerback, but a little bit of safety too. Because this this is potentially Juan Thornhill's last year with the Chiefs. Right. So I think that they're looking at this and going, are we going to extend Juan Thornhill? If they do, they won't have to spend a ton of money. But is is he a guy we want for the next three or four years? If we Mm -hmm. don't, let's go get a guy that it's still within the first 125 picks of the draft that can become a zone coverage type of corner with Rashad Fitton on the other side, who, by the way, is also on a contract year. Mm -hmm. I think that you go and look for a guy with the ability to play both positions and I think a guy that could potentially be there maybe I'm being a little wishful thinking here is Andrew Booth Jr. out of LSU big physical great ball skills a guy that plays great man coverage but also great zone coverage can, tra- can transition him into a free safety if the Chiefs want to do that and put Legereus Sneed either at safety or at corner and it adds versatility to the back of your ear so you'd have Justin Reed you'd have Juan Thornhill Rashad Fenton Legereus Sneed and this young puppy a guy that can play versatile positions with a veteran added in, all of a sudden you have six guys that can really work together and make themselves in a nice unit. Uh, our guy Arrowhead Tom was actually t- texting me because I was asking him, you know, what are your thoughts at, at the cornerback position that could potentially slip? And he, you know, he's bigger on guys like Daxon Hill, who will probably be in the first fifty or fifty or so picks, but also guys like Jalen Petrie, guys like that will be probably there in a later for nickel packages, things of that nature. But I think this is where I don't think the Chiefs are going to totally evade from the cornerback position. Yeah. I think though within the first one. Tw- 125 of the tail end is when they finally answer that position, and uh, that's where I think they go with that. So I know that the Chiefs have some other draft picks that I traded away. So with the 234th overall pick, Trevor, what do you think the Chiefs do? Because they don't have a fifth or sixth round pick. They go right into the seventh. Well, in my scenario, they do have a sixth round pick because I have them trading the next two seventh rounders to move up into the sixth to grab a cornerback. Nice. I think we grab another. I think we got to. I think we got to come out of this draft with at least two DBs. Okay. Because we, I know, as far as edge, edge is obviously the primary concern here, but we do got to get some defensive, uh, defensive back depth. I know we brought in Justin Reed, but we are, we are, I mean we're down to Rashad Fenton and maybe Baker yep. being available and and obviously Legarius Need, uh, but we need names. You know we we brought in a couple guys this offseason, but I think they're just kind of camp bodies at this point. We don't really know, so I think we need to get some. And I think there's going to be a whole lot of DB talent uh, sliding in this draft. I really do. I think maybe more than any position, there's going to be a lot of corners available. And I think we I have us trading the, our tenth and eleventh pick. Up and to get into the second, or to the to the sixth round to grab a cornerback that we like. That's on our board that that we, we we've noticed is slipping. So I think there's going to be a lot of cornerback talent, and we need a, stri- a good straight up 
cornerback yeah. that can go out there and, and you know stay on the side of the field and, and, and you know uh, be that guy opposite Legereus Sneed. And this is a good sweet spot. These late rounds for cornerbacks is a good spot to find really good talent. Um, and we need a guy that's quick. We need a guy that's tall and quick. Um, so I, I think this is a, I think this is a, a point where this is the only trade scenario I have. I don't I'm not putting the specifics of what the who who we're trading to or, or how we're doing it, but I have us trading up into the sixth round to get a, to grab our final um, DB and our uh, uh, straight up cornerback for this this defense, and I think that's a, a big need. Well, with my trade scenario to the Eagles, the Chiefs obviously got the 124th pick, but they also got the 237th, so it's three spots mm-hmm. after uh, the Chiefs' original trade that I I obviously traded away. Uh, so with the 237th overall pick this is where i have the chiefs taking an offensive tackle Hmm. um biggest reason why the chiefs have found a way to utilize late round picks and find guys that end up being day one contributors i don't know how brett veach does it Mm -hmm. he has struggled earlier in the draft with some of these guys but later in the draft he's found gems how about trey pancake papa smith who was had injuries you know where they you know where they got him Hmm. with a 226 overall pick yep so why can't I believe that the Chiefs can find themselves a very solid? I'm not saying he's going to be a starter day one or even a starter ever, but Trey a Smith solid a second round talent though, first yeah. second round talent. Honestly, and who's to say that guy ain't going to be sitting there again in the sixth, seventh round this year? Yeah. So I think with the 237th overall pick, the Chiefs find themselves an offensive tackle they can add to the equation. Because to your point, you're 100% right. Right now, as it stands, Andrew Wiley would be the right tackle for the yeah. Chiefs because Lucas Yang is still working his way back from his injury, and we still don't know. I have a second one in the third. but Well, yeah, but I'm saying we don't know what Lucas Yang is. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm big. I'm Yang gang here. I, I love yeah. Lucas Yang. I think he's got talent at TCU. He's got to be on the field. Uh, you know, there's been several guys that have said he was the toughest guy to face back in college. But he's got to be on the field, like you said. Availability yeah, is everything. Said that, yeah. And he's coming out of patellar tendon tear. I just, I have a hard time believing he's going to come back and be this hugely effective guy. So they need depth right. because I don't think the Chiefs are going to go and get a right tackle in the first fifty picks. I think that they're going to wait a little bit and add, and have confidence in Andrew Wiley. They also went and got Jerron Christian, who was uh, for the Texans, a swing tackle yeah. there. Talented, big guy. I don't know if he's ever going to play, but he's a depth guy. Right. And I think that's what the Chiefs are looking for right now is depth around the potential of Andrew Wiley being their starter. And if he was to go down or he doesn't play well, they can elevate another guy. And I think that's what they're going to do with the 237th overall pick. Now, the Chiefs also have the 244th overall pick. Mm-hmm. This is their second seventh round pick currently. Trevor, who what do you have them doing here? That was one of the ones I had traded away oh, okay. to get up to the six. So yeah, so the, our tenth and eleventh picks. Yeah, so the two hundred sixtieth is the only one I have left. Oh, you traded? Okay, okay. Yeah, I traded two seventh round picks to move up to the six. Okay. So so with the two hundred sixtieth pick, oh, well, actually, because of the fact I have only the two hundred thirty seventh and the two hundred fifty second, hmm. with the two hundred fifty second pick, which is the last pick of my draft. I have the Chiefs taking another defensive lineman. Okay. I, I don't, I'm not expecting a lot from this guy. I think he's going to be a, a jag, a guy yeah. that he's bringing to camp, see what he does. We'll see what he does. We'll see if he can add to the equation. Probably doesn't make the team, but right. I see. I still think that they're going to be consistent in their approach with their draft picks and go on defensive line and see what they do. Yeah, I mean, at this at this point of the draft, you're taking best guy available. You know, whichever position, it doesn't really. It obviously matters, but I mean, I think you're taking best player available who you think is the most talented at whichever position. Um, and I, I, I the, the, with our final pick, I have us taking a left tackle. I have us taking. I, we, I mean, I know we have Orlando. We have our, we have Orlando there. I know that, but we don't have much depth behind him though. I know when he went down, who we have? We have Joe Tooney filling in spots. 
who played well, yeah. but that's not what you want. Right. You know, you want you want a uh, um, with a dart throw pick at the end of the draft, late in the seventh, towards the end of the draft. You know, taking a a dart throw left tackle um, is never a bad idea. Having a guy that could be that backup for Orlando if he goes down or if he misses a game or two, that's important. And we need that. Right. That's in a very important position. Um, and to have a young guy that can come in um, to protect Patrick Mahomes uh, if Orlando does for any reason, you know, sustain an injury uh, at any point of the season, that can be catastrophic. Right. You know what I mean? So I think having another, just having another body. I know, but we don't have much depth behind behind Orlando. Who do we really have? You know, so throwing another dart throw guy in this draft to end it, to to, to you know put this, um, you know, to put a bow on this draft. I think throwing a left another left tackle out there, the best, and I think left tackle is probably going to slip as well. Yeah. Um, because a lot of teams have their left tackle solidified, and I think the Chiefs have theirs as well, and they're about to get ready to pay theirs. So having some kind of insurance on Orlando makes a lot of sense to me to finish out this draft. So I think going left tackle is a smart move. So as my as my draft is currently constructed, I have the Chiefs taking six defensive players and only two offensive players. Mm. Uh, and even though I have uh, Veach trading away nine picks <laughs> in total, yeah. seven of them are from this year's draft, and I still have them taking eight selections. So even though they're trading away – Picks and a lot of picks, more picks than they originally had before the Tyreek Hill trade. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm utilizing two different draft classes. I'm using 2022 and 2023 to move into this year because again, I think this year's is that much more imperative. Because let's say the Chiefs go and land themselves the next Von Miller in this draft. Are we really concerned about not having that first round pick next year? No, because they already solidified that, and the Chiefs can utilize the six, seven picks they have currently in next year's draft to do the same thing with other positions of need. The biggest point is you can't live for tomorrow. Look at the Rams. Look at the Chiefs. Look how they've utilized first round picks over the last five years. Mm-hmm. They haven't. They've been using them for veteran players or you know getting other pieces. Matt Stafford, Frank Clark, Jalen Ramsey, getting guys like that that help them do what? Win Super Bowls. So that's what I think the Chiefs are looking like that looking at this draft as as I as I preluded what I what I think is going to happen in this draft. I think that's how they're looking at this draft class, using first round picks to move up and get a guy they think is a sure thing in this draft. Yeah. You never know what a guy is going to be. Yeah. But if you can go and get into that top 10, like I said with a Giants team that has two picks between 5 and 7, I think you're getting yourself a guy that you can build your defense around because guys like Chris Jones, I don't believe are going to be around. Frank Clark's not going to be around. So who's next? You think the Giants are willing to move up that that spot? I do. I I do because of the fact that I think they're looking to stockpile picks. Don't be shocked, man, when you see a lot of these bad teams. Not only this year, but next year as well. Yeah, Yeah. a lot of these bad teams are going to be trying to trade out of some of these picks. I bet the Jets try to trade out of 10. I think, and here's the biggest thing: the Chiefs need to look at look at their draft picks, look at what they do in this draft, and say. Look how aggressive the Chargers, the Broncos, the Bills, the Raiders, all these other AFC teams were in free agency. We need to match that energy in the draft because we didn't get better this offseason. The Chiefs didn't. I'm I'm talking about from their point of view. These other teams did, and they did it with aging veterans, veteran players, and they spent all this money. Okay, well, if you're going to zig while they zag, then you need to do it this way, and you need to go out there and be equally as aggressive in this draft and go and get your guys. And and, and I know people are probably looking at this and going, well, you have Russell Wilson now in the in the, in the conference or in the uh, division. You have Herbert in another year, probably going to get better. You have Derek Carr, a solid player, in the, and that's just your division. You need to go and get cornerbacks. Yeah. 
And I understand that mentality. But again, I am more of the, I'm from the, the school of, the school belief that if I have a solidified front seven that can make that quarterback's day a living hell, yeah, where he works. can't, he doesn't feel comfortable in the pocket, he's getting hit every other play, he's getting sacked every five plays, then I don't worry about corner as much. Not that it's not a valuable position, yeah. but it's only that much more valuable if you don't have what it takes to get to the quarterback. And look at the AFC Championship this last year against the Bengals. Yes, Patrick Mahomes absolutely went nuclear on himself and crapped the bed in the second half. That was a large portion of why they lost the AFC Championship. But the other part of it was they couldn't sack Joe Burrow. Yeah. And if you had that, even with even with Patrick Mahomes having a bad second half, the Chiefs still would have won the game. And that's what you need. You can't have it to where... Unless Patrick Mahomes plays a game where he has four or five touchdowns, you're not winning. Unless he's having that, you can't have it to where you don't have defensive players that can back him up on a day where he's human. You've got to be able to have defensive players like that. And if you have pass rush, because as we talk about, the three most important positions in the NFL are what? Quarterback, left tackle, tackle and edge rush. rush. And you can alternate left tackle and edge rush. So at worst, edge rush is the third most important position on the field. So you have to be able to go and get a guy that can go get the quarterback. And in a division and in a conference like the AFC West and the AFC is concerned, the Chiefs have to go and get the best possible player at edge rush and then solidify it at defensive tackle to sure up, again, Chris Jones potentially not being here in the 2023 season. You get yourself your guy, and you still respect Frank Clark the, not being here. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And, then you, and then you still respect the wide receiver position with the 67th, 62nd overall pick because, again, McCole Hardman's on a one-year deal. Juju Smith-Schuster's on a one-year deal. MVS, not a franchise guy anyway, is on essentially a two-year deal. So you don't have anything shirt up after the 2022 season. Right. Could McCool come back? Sure. I, I bet I bet he's back after the 2022 season. I bet the Chiefs figure out an extension. Juju Smith-Schuster could very well be back. I, I bet the Chiefs are, if he has a really good year where he has 12, 1,300 yards yeah. and eight, nine touchdowns, I'm sure the Chiefs figure something out. Yeah, and he wants to win, so I think he's made it very clear that winning is what brought him here. But so, you I mean, still solidify and give this Chiefs team a young, serviceable, potentially top-tier wide receiver in the first 65 picks. Because I think that you're going to see some of these names drop. But yeah. the biggest thing, on this, and I'm glad you feel the same way I do, because I believe the majority of your picks were defensive as well, mm-hmm. is that we got to have a defensive mentality moving forward. Because if they don't, the Chiefs are going to be one of those teams that get to the AFC Championships but can't stop the opposing quarterback. And unless Patrick Mahomes just goes historic and just rely on him to do that, they're not winning. Yeah, they got to get better on the defensive side, man. And I think that and the Chiefs have intentionally shown us. Maybe they won't be as aggressive as my draft is, where they move up to the seventh spot. Maybe they won't be. But I'm telling everybody right now that 29th pick is getting traded. The Chiefs will utilize that to trade up in the draft. I'm almost, I'm almost guaranteeing it. Yeah. Because of the fact they know they have to go and get a guy that they believe in, not just somebody they fell back to and say, well. On the board, he's still pretty good, so we'll see what he can do at 29. No, I think they're going to move up at least yeah. 15 spots. Yeah, you want to be aggressive least. early on in the draft. Being aggressive early on in the draft makes more sense, and then continue to be value-based as the draft goes on. That's the ideal uh, way to approach a draft most of the time. I mean, Or we can just go value all the way from top to, to bottom. But I think being aggressive up the top, uh, the Chiefs got to make some kind of splash move in my mind, whether it's an ac- ac- you know, a player acquisition, trading a, a, some, a pick for a player, or trading up to get our guy in the draft, whether it's a defensive player or offensive player, uh, preferably a defensive player. But, yeah, I mean, I had 10 total picks for the Chiefs. Um, six of them were defensive players. Four of those six were defensive linemen. 
Um, you know, then they, I have. That's why I do think, though, with. I think it's going to be a defensive heavy draft for the Chiefs, but I think, like you said, we have Juju on a one-year deal. We have McColl on a contract year. Um, MVS is an unproven guy in this offense. Um, so there's a lot of question marks offensively, too. So I think this is why I have us taking two receivers in the first three uh, rounds uh, because I think we, we're going to – we don't know. You know, if we, we, we get two guys in this first three rounds and they become day one starters or, you know, contributors as rotational guys and become the guys this next season – that's a win, you know what I mean? So, and if, if, say, Juju doesn't pan out and he doesn't play well this year, we have, you know, two first three, you know, early round talents, um, guys that we can, you know, put in there and possibly be the future of this of this offense. So I think those are, that's why I have us taking two receivers early on in the first three picks, uh, or in the first three rounds, I should say. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think we all, as Chiefs fans, expect this def- this this draft to go defensive heavy. Um, especially along the defensive line, I think we all expect that. Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure what to expect though, as far as aggression from 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 because he's given us a different vibe this off season. Yeah, you know what I mean. So heading into this draft, I think it, I'm I'm excited, man. It's the most excited I've ever been for a draft uh, as a fan because the all so many different avenues we could explore, so many different ways we can go, and I think that excites Brett Beach and Andy Reid too. You know, they had the the deck is stacked. Yeah. You know, on their side, so they have a lot of opportunity to uh, so make to make some moves here. And um, yeah, man, <coughs> looking forward to it, man. Looking forward to. I it. I think it would sure. be criminal if the Chiefs utilize the draft the same way they use the off season of just being conservative and see what happens. I think. Right. I think Brett Veach has been chomping at the bit, and I listened to his press conference yesterday. I listened to the way he talked, and and he's ne- he even said it himself. Don't believe anything you hear. I think what Brett, Brett Brett is a magician with the media. He says so much and nothing at all, yeah. and that's what he was doing yesterday. I literally was what I was listening to him. What I was trying to listen to was the was the reverse of everything he was stating. He was talking about oh you know these guys in the second and third rounds that's such great value for wide receivers. He's looking to see if he can bait a team to trade one of their proven commodities to the Chiefs mm-hmm. for a second or third round pick. And I'm keeping my mind open because I'm not sitting here saying this is how the draft's going to go. Well, I'm very open minded to the fact that we could see the Chiefs get a Debo Samuel, a Terry McLaurin, a DK Metcalf, somebody like that. Because if you look at those teams, like like the Washington Commanders, mm-hmm. they, they just hitched their wagons to Carson Wentz. So you yeah. know they're trying to stockpile picks. They're trying to get, because they give up two-thirds for him. If they're going to try to give up, you know, maybe a, a, try to reallocate or re, relocate two-thirds for a Terry McLaurin, I'm not saying that's the, that's what they can get for him, but I'm saying if that's all that's left, or a team like the the Seahawks that lost three first round picks on Devontae Adams or uh, on uh, uh, the safety Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams, they yeah. lost three first round picks for him. Yeah, and they only got two back for, for Russell safety. Wilson, so they're still out one first round pick. Maybe they look for a, that late first round pick for a DK Metcalf or a Tyler Lockett, an aging wide receiver who's still extremely productive, who's under contract for another three years. Mm. Uh, you look at the 49ers with Debo Samuel. If they can trade away, get a couple of those first round picks or a first round pick they got out for Trey Lance a couple years ago. Well, and they're going to get desperate too because Debo is has the Debo's wanting out. Yes, it's not like they're like, hey, they're dangling him out here. No, they, they he wants out. Their hand is being forced, and that can fuck Debo over though too for because sure. then then the 49ers say, okay, we're going to take you to the play that has the best draft capital for us in return, you're not going to win. Like the Jets, if they give up the 10th overall pick for Debo, which I don't envision, but if they were to trade valuable commodities in return of Debo, Debo's going to a team that's not going to be winning anytime soon, and he's just going to waste away there. Sure, he'll make money, but is that really what Debo wants? So, again, the Chiefs have all the leverage in the world here when it comes to what they want to do. we're under the microscope of of the entire league because we have not only the most draft space, we have the most draft picks. So, like... (laughs) 
They're, they're, I'm sure we're in cahoots with a lot of teams right now trying to figure out possible trade scenarios in the draft or for players. Yes. It's exciting. As and that's why I, I maintain what I'm saying on the record here, that I think there's a better chance that my draft my draft board gets completely thrown out the side and the Chiefs trade in one of their middle second-round pick, maybe a, the 30th overall pick or the 29th overall pick, towards a wide receiver that's currently playing in the league, and then mm. they extend that guy then them trading up and getting a Jamison Williams or one of those guys early in the draft. You think that makes more sense to this offense? I do because of the fact the Chiefs don't have that guy right now. You look at Juju. He's a he's a proven guy. You look at McCole Harmon, proven guy. MVS, a wide receiver three, a guy that you don't build around. If the Chiefs were to get a Terry McLaurin, or, or a Debo Samuel, that's automatically your wide receiver one, mm-hmm. and it's a guy you pay anyway because, as again, everybody likes to say the Chiefs weren't willing to pay Tyreek Hill. That's not the truth. The Chiefs were going to pay him 22 to $25 million a year. Mm-hmm. So they would pay somebody else like that, close to that, and you wouldn't be having to give up as much as what you got back for Tyreek Hill because Tyreek's better than any other guy they're going to get. He's better than Debo Samuel. He's better than DK. He's better than Terry McLaurin. So you wouldn't have to give up five picks to go and get one of those guys. Well, what, what, if, two or three. Well, what if we found like a Jeff, Justin Jefferson or a Jamar Chase or, or, or you know a guy like that in the first round, first couple rounds, and that becomes the guy. We have him on the cheap for a few years. That makes more sense money wise for the Chiefs, so they're not strapped for cash. Because if we get a Debo Samuels or a DK or, or McLaurin, we're gonna they're gonna want top tier money. Right. What I'm saying is when I'm looking at trade value, mm. okay, a, McC- a McLaurin, a Terry McLaurin is gonna probably require either at, at best a late first or, or a second round pick to get him. That's like the the basis, like the foundational piece of a trade. Mm-hmm. That's why I have the Chiefs taking a wide receiver in where the second round. That's why I have them at 62 getting a guy because if you don't trade for one of those top-tier receivers, you're getting a guy with the same trade value as a rookie. Mm -hmm. So either way, it's going to benefit the Chiefs. And they didn't have to spend all that draft capital to go and get one of them. They can sit back and wait for one of those guys to fall to them in 62 or use that 62nd overall pick in a trade for a guy that you know is what he is. So either way, you're securing the back yeah. and simultaneously using all your top-tier draft commodities for edge rush, for defensive line, for safety, for whatever defensive pieces you want to throw at it, you're still securing all that up front in the draft while still getting a top-tier receiver potentially either in a trade or in the second round. Yeah. I think I'm on the other side of it, though. I think yeah. I'd rather trade a, a, a for a Josh Allen or another a proven defensive lineman or defensive edge player Rather than trade for a receiver and go young at receiver in the draft, hundred oh, percent. I think that's the that's the ideal situation. But yeah, granted, there are not a lot of guys on the defensive side and, and that are even not obviously. There's no free agents really available outside of some older names. Uh, but trading, acquiring a guy via trade on the defensive line, uh, an edge rusher on defensive line would be ideal. And then just going young at receiver and seeing if the, one of these guys pans out to be another wide receiver one for this offense. That would be a, the biggest win for the Chiefs if, that, if they were able to get like a Josh Allen. Oh yeah, uh, if they traded a, for a Josh Allen in the draft and then you know got a second, third round receiver, uh, and maybe those guys pan out to be you know like a Justin Jefferson. I mean, I know that's a pipe dream. You don't just get a Justin Jefferson and a Jamar Chase every draft. That doesn't just happen. Right. But I think I think if we give a, a, a high talented guy in this draft and this offense, that matters. You know, I mean, this offense obviously pumps out great talent. You know, not a lot of people were on McCole Hardman. McCole Hardman's been a big producer for this offense over the last few years. So even if we could find another McCole, you know, I mean, that's that's a win for the Chiefs as well. So. So much, so many different outcomes this, yeah. this draft, yeah. man. That could that could take place, and I I, I need it here already. That's I want why. To watch that, that, that's why. Again, I spent so much time trying to figure out how the Chiefs are going to attack the draft because, again, I think we we both agree that we would much rather the Chiefs go and get a young 
talented edge rusher that we already know what he is from another team. But yeah. like the Jaguars, eh, think about the Jaguars. They they're gonna probably get Aiden Hutchinson with the first overall pick. If you pair him up across the way of Josh Allen, you have one of the best edge yeah, rush. They have no reason to move off Josh yeah, Allen. Yeah, exactly. That point. One of the best edge rush tandems in the league. So there really is no point in their opinion to, to move off. Now, if the Chiefs were to sweeten the deal and say, hey, we'll give you one of those first round picks. And next year pick something. Yeah, yeah. something. You know, and then, and then you're, the Chiefs are getting that in return. But even with that, again, the Chiefs are going to have to turn around and extend Josh Allen yeah, because this, this next year will be his fifth year. Or I'm sorry, yeah, his, it'll be fifth year in 2023. That fifth year option is obviously going to be exercised. And you're obviously going to get an extension. So the Chiefs would have to pay 85 to $95 million to him. So they're. There's going to be contracts, like because Orlando Brown Jr. is getting his extension. There's no question about that. Yep. I do believe the Chiefs are going to go and get a cornerback slash safety veteran player out there that's still sitting there, or team cuts them, whatever the case is, and adds to that depth. And I do believe that the Chiefs are going to go out there and probably add a Melvin Ingram or a Jerry Hughes or somebody like that to add to the equation as a rotational piece. Because Jerry Hughes, I believe, is 34. Yeah. Uh, Melvin Ingram will be 33. Neither one of those guys are going to be guys you build around. And Frank Clark, obviously we know what the hell he is, which isn't much anymore. And Chris Jones is still a centerpiece to that defensive front. They have to add at least three or four pieces to that equation. Yes, yeah. and that's why I have two two edge rushers and a defensive tackle in my first five picks. Yeah. I think that has to be what they do. If the Chiefs go and get a wide receiver early, I'm not opposed to it, but it can't be their first pick. No. It has to be a secondary piece. Like you, I believe you had wide receiver your second pick. Yes. That's okay. Second I would live fourth, with that. Second and fourth pick. I would live with that. Yeah. Because I'm okay with it because wide receiver is something the Chiefs need to upgrade at. I'm not opposed to it. But their their mentality in this draft has to be defense, defense, and then more defense. That's yeah. why I said six of my eight picks are defensive players. Because yeah. I can't I can't envision the Chiefs improving as a team and getting better in this AFC playoff structure with a team that's still 25th to 29th in sacks. They have to be in the top 15 in sacks. And it's very possible it's very possible we've seen teams do it we've seen the chiefs go from having one of the worst offensive lines in football to the next year having one of the best it's not impossible and brett veach is the kind of guy that in my opinion can overcorrect again and go and get it done again frank clark didn't work out but he was aggressive as hell in making that work now it did work in getting us a super bowl championship but frank clark has dwindled since now they have to go and overcorrect again because they spent all the money at defensive line. Now they need to spend draft capital defensive line. That's the way I see it happening. I hope uh, – either way, I'm confident the Chiefs are going to find ways to land studs in this draft. Mm-hmm. And, again, if they were to make a trade, I'm all for it. I just – it's hard for me to imagine at this point the Jaguars are going to move off of Josh Allen, and that's the guy I wanted the most. It's hard for me to imagine that's going to happen. But, yeah. nevertheless, now I did hear uh, Brent Veach real quick uh, before we move on to our final segment of the day, which, by the way, today's show is absolutely flowing by. Yeah. Um, I heard Brett Veach talking about the running back position, which I found interesting. I and again, like we always take a running back at some point in the but, draft. But again, I think this is also him baiting a team because he's right. This this draft has a lot of running backs that people really like, even deeper into the draft, yeah. which is why I think that you're going to see the Chiefs trade up early in the draft and later in the draft. We've never seen Brett Veach, not one time in four drafts, trade back. He's always traded forward. So I think that with those four seventh-round picks – there's no way in hell he's keeping those four seven-round picks. Maybe one, yeah, maybe yeah. two. That's why I had him trading two of them. Yeah, maybe yeah. one or two. I can see that. That's that's possible. But there is no way in hell they're, they're keeping four seventh-round picks. No. He is going to trade 100%. And you're, you know what? You're probably, you're probably going to be right. I bet that, that Brett Veach utilizes 
those picks to get into the sixth round mm-hmm. because he loves the sixth round. We saw him get Trey Smith in the sixth round. I think that, yeah, you're yeah, going to trading into the sixth to get a, uh, um, uh, a cornerback. Yeah, so okay. you have no fifth-round picks, no sixth-round picks, but you have two-fourths, two-thirds, two-seconds, and two-firsts. Mm-hmm. So there's... I don't know if I've ever seen the Chiefs have something even close to this. Yeah. And I, I agree with you that it's probably the most exciting outside of the 2017 draft because we, we all knew the Chiefs have to get a quarterback. Yeah. And it was a monumental Just moment in history. It? Yes, it was, it was a monumental Watson, moment. Yeah. So, yes, I, I think outside of that one, without question, this – well, I would say without question, this is the most exciting draft in the Brett Veach The buildup is by far the, and, the craziest because there's so much. I'm ready for the chaos because more than likely the Chiefs are going to fucking take a – you know, a fucking guard with a 29th overall pick or something, but <laughs> we're yeah. all just going to go nuts. But I think that, yeah, I think that what Brett Veach has done is genius this offseason. Uh, it isn't the way I wanted it to go. I wanted to see them have uh, some guys in free agency and in trades come to this team because I'm a guy that wants to see them uh, uh, contend day one. I want to see guys that I know will work. But Brett Veach is the kind of guy that sees it a little bit differently, and I'm okay with that as long as it works. Mm. I didn't like the Frank Clark trade initially. I didn't. I, I, I actually liked the Clyde Edwards-Lair draft pick. I did not. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I see things differently than some people have seen it, and it's worked out in the opposite end at times, and that's okay because that's the beauty of all this, man, is that we can see things differently, but if it pans out and it works out and we saw it differently initially, that's okay, man, because that's why he's in the position he's in, and we're not. That's yeah. the beautiful thing about it, man. We can have our opinions, but he's paid to do this, and I, I have – the utmost belief that Brett Veach is going to crush it with this dra- these draft class, this draft class. So, um, one more order of business to get to. I don't know, if Trevor. Was there any uh, comments or anything on the thread at all that people wanted to uh, talk about? We did about? not have anything at the moment. No. Okay, everybody's just everybody's just sick of us already, man. People are just ready to get to the draft already, man. And I don't blame you guys. Yeah, I honestly excited. do not, man, because it feels like this has been the longest wait for the draft that we've ever had. But uh, we we need to get to one more thing, Trevor, and I believe it's called. Hold, Hold this L. L. Each and every week, we finish off each and every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports, whether they're friendly or not so friendly L's in the world of sports. We promise you, whoever is holding those L's deserve those L's. Trevor, who's holding the L for you this week? Is it depressing? Is it sad? Is it happy? Is it what? What is it? It depends on how you look at it. I mean, if you're a Kyrie Irving fan, um, it's very <laughs> depressing. Um, if you're a Nets fan, it's very depressing. Um, and if you're Trevor Twidwell, who picked the Nets to win this series, it's also very depressing. Um, the Nets have been. Not playing good basketball at all. Kevin Durant has been bad. But it, the most important thing here is we, we continue to see Kyrie Irving for who he really is. Um, and, I, and, look, I'm a big fan of the talent that is Kyrie Irving. As a basketball fan, as a hoops fan, uh, this playoffs have been extremely entertaining. Uh, outside of a couple series, is there, I, I've been damn near right. There hasn't been like any brutal sweeps or close to sweeps. Uh, but the Nets are looking like one of those teams that might get swept here. Um, I think I underestimated the talent and the juggernaut that is the Celtics right now. They're absolutely just destroying them. Um, Kyrie Irving just continues to show his ass. I just I don't understand, man, how this guy wants to be taken seriously as like this deep, thoughtful individual and you know uh, a lion amongst the sheep and all these things. And yet here he is on an inbound play, flipping off people. A professional athlete out here just flipping off people because he can't handle the booze, he can't handle the 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 you know the the rhetoric that has been thrown his way and the, and, the, and the harsh words from the, the the Celtics fan base, which they're known for, uh, you know, and then telling you know walking out of the tunnel after you're taking your L and telling people people to suck your dick because they tell you that you suck, you can't handle that. Like it's just 
It, it's is this a, I mean, it's just adding to the the the, the legend of Tyree or Tyreek of of Kyrie's uh, uh, inability to handle criticism. Um, and want, and then want to hide behind the shadows of Durant's and want to hide behind the shadows of these other big players that he's he's played alongside. Hide behind the LeBrons, uh, you know the guys that have been carrying him through his success of his years because he's never been able to handle it on his own. And it shows uh, that he has never been the man ever, and he can't handle the pressure of being the man uh, because he can't even handle criticism, in-game criticism from fan bases. Um, you know, and look, man, the criticism from the, the Celtics fan base is warranted. Mm-hmm. He completely fucked that entire fan base. He he fed them a dream, right, and then it completely and, and ghosted them after that, uh, and failed them when they had an absolutely loaded roster uh, and had no reason to lose. Uh, granted, they ran into LeBron. I give him that credit, but for me, man, this just continues to 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 bury Kyrie and and to why he wasn't in that top seventy plus list, and why people were upset about him not being there. Granted, I know he has the talent. He has dealt with plenty of injuries. He has been absent a lot of times, too, for not only injuries, but for political reasons, personal reasons, religious reasons, whatever you want to go, whatever avenue you want to go down with this guy. It's always been something. If we're going to be honest, Kyrie Irving has been a cancer to every single team he's been on. And I hate saying that because I do like him. I like him overall, even as a person a lot of times. I think he is a well-spoken guy a lot of times, but I think he goes too deep into things. That he he's treading water on things that just is he does not there's no reason to and he's brought a, he's brought a lot a lot of this amongst himself and he's honestly self sabotaged his own career he had it made with LeBron James yeah. they, I mean they had the Four greatest the, finals the greatest the greatest story the greatest story maybe in sports history with that comeback one of the greatest events I've ever witnessed in my life outside of the Chiefs Super Bowl that was my favorite memory as a sports fan that was just, even if you're not a LeBron fan or a Cavs fan or whatever that was one of the greatest things you've ever witnessed in sports. One of the most electrifying blocks, one of the most electrifying shots. That sequence was just absolutely insane as a sports fan to watch. And Kyrie Irving has done nothing since then but squander his own ability to have more success and future success by, you know, <laughs> being shady as hell and talking shit on people that were literally he was riding the coat the coattail of. Um, and it just continues. I know he got fined twenty grand or something like that uh, for flipping the fans off. Not that that matters to him, but it's just his personal. And I and look, it may not even matter to him at all. Obviously, it doesn't. If we're, if we're all being honest right now, it doesn't matter to him what his personal image is. And I don't think he really cares at this point. But it's embarrassing for him squandering the talent that he has, um, and be and could be a massive contributor to any team he's on. Being a pure one of the maybe the greatest handle we've ever seen in the NBA, yep. right up there with AIs and you know Stephon Marbury's and you know other guys like that are some of the best ball handlers we've ever seen in the NBA. Um, it's 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 not it's it's just not fun as an NBA fan. I think we're I feel like we're he's wasting away what he could uh, be bringing to the to this product. Um, and I, I get it, man. He's an individual. He wants to be look, saw it looked at as such. Um, but you got to be a teammate. At the end of the day, you got to be a teammate here, and he's just been nothing but a poor teammate. Um, and I love him, the talent that he is. I love him for entertainment purpose purposes. He's fun to watch. Um, there's no reason this Nets team should be, you know, even in the position they're in, they, sh- they shouldn't have been playing in the play-in tournament. You know what I mean? Um, there, there's just too much talent on that team. And Kevin Durant isn't, 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 you know, out of blame here too. He's been playing pretty bad uh, up to his standard is, is, is but that's been beating brushed on the rug as, as we all kind of expected. Um, the expectations just are not there for Kevin Durant and it is what it is, but Kyrie Irving back to, to circle back to my point, why I'm giving him this L is 
He's just he just can't handle it. He can't handle being the villain or the superhero. He can't handle he ha, he has to be somewhere in the middle there, and he, that's where he has to reside in order to be successful. And he's not. And he. And the funny thing is, he wants to be the man sometimes, and he wants to be this unique, this you know, uh, like I said, a lion amongst the sheep kind of mentality that he has. Um, and it's just it's just not working. No matter what avenue he's taken, it's just not working for him. Um, and he can't handle criticism. Uh, but he wants to be at the top somehow, but he can't handle criticism. And it's just, it's a bad look. He's definitely ruining his reputation in my mind as a respectful, respectable player in this league. He's kind of becoming a whiny little bitch, if I'm being honest. And um, yeah, it's just really, really frustrating, man. Um, you don't, it's just, there's just no class there. I, he's, he's lost a lot of class in my mind personally. So for that, Kyrie Irving, do me a big favor and hold, hold this, this L. That was a good one, man. I actually have two. Uh, if you guys notice, our guy, Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, is not here today because he's been dealing with some sickness. He just got back in town, so uh, maybe he's just a little jet lagged. I have no idea. But we wish our guy, uh, Mr. Ortiz, uh, nothing but the best. Hopefully he can be back next week. We will be posting our uh, draft picks or predictions on social media before the draft, so that way you can see them tangibly. But uh, definitely, if you haven't, if you haven't, uh, if you have friends that are podcasters or like to watch YouTube videos, send them our way so they can hear our predictions and just see how wrong they end up being. But back to my L's, I have two of them because I'm that's why I brought our guy Eddie up because I'm gonna do one for him as well. I have no idea what an MVP is in the NBA. <laughs> no idea. Uh, it looks like more than likely, according to odds right now, uh, uh, Denver Nuggets forward slash center Nikola Jokic is gonna be the NBA MVP. And let me first say that Nikola Jokic isn't an elite player. He's an elite player in this league, right at, right at the right at the tip top of best players in the league. I'd say he's top five to ten easily, no question about it. Nikola Jokic is not the MVP this season because although I don't know what an MVP is by their standards, and when I come when I say they, I mean the the voters. He's not to me. I look at value as uh, very simple. The difference you make on a court when you're on and off. What is, the, what is your plus minuses? How does your team play when you're off the court as opposed to when you're on? This is why I feel like Kawhi Leonard has never been a, a one. Impact. He's always been a great two because his team's always won without him. They always got to the playoffs without him. Mm-hmm. You look at guys like LeBron James and Steph Curry. When they aren't great and when they're not on the court, their teams aren't great, and they usually don't in the playoffs, as you can see. That's the difference in me when it comes to most value. I think what, what the NBA does in particular is it falls in love with this idea of you had the most outstanding season, your team was good, therefore you're the MVP. You average a triple-double. I don't, I don't agree with that. Yeah, I don't think Russell Westbrook was the MVP a few years back. Right. I don't think James Harden was the MVP a few years back. I don't think those guys are MVPs because I think when they're on and off the court, their teams aren't as different as they normally are. They're, there's not this huge gap. And quite frankly, playoff performances do matter. I know that it's a regular season award, but when year in and year out you choke or you don't play well, I think that should be a part of what we think is true value because the playoffs are what? The climax, the crescendo of the, of the season. Right. And Jokic is on the brink. Him and his Nuggets are on the brink of getting swept. I feel like I called this. And according to stat music, I couldn't have been more wrong because <laughs> I picked the Nuggets in this series because I thought that Jokic was going to play like an MVP. Yeah. He did have a really good game three. I will give him that. He balled He's been the good. hell out. Yeah. But he did get thrown out in game two. He's been thrown out in two of his last three playoff games. Yeah. I think that that's a real problem. It's showing a lack of leadership, although he is insanely skilled. Is he a guy you can build your team around? I don't know. And he's 27 years old now. You'd think you'd know by now. And... They're on the verge of being swept, and according to StatMuse, I saw the the stat uh, a couple days ago, 
Jokic, if in fact they do get swept by the Warriors, he would be the first MVP to ever get swept in the first round. Mm. So that is just a bad look. And quite frankly, I think there are guys that are just far more deserving of the award. For one, Joel Embiid, considering how much shit he's had to go through this year with the Ben Simmons blanket, the cloud over that shit that he did, Joel led his team through that shit. He's out here hitting game-winning three-pointers. James Harden in and out of the lineup, being completely ineffective for weeks at a time, still got the four seed. Still with Ben Simmons' ass. Yeah. Yeah. Doc Rivers' inability to make any new offenses whatsoever, no new sets whatsoever, still the four seed. Yeah. And in an Eastern Conference, it's better than the Western Conference. He was the best so, overall player this year, I think, in my mind. Giannis Antetokounmpo, yeah. without question, was Giannis an MVP. Was a better, was a better, more deserving uh, MVP candidate than than uh, uh, Nikola Jokic. Yeah. Luka Doncic, and again, I'm going to give smart. the Mavericks some credit here. I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. The Mavericks are still winning playoff games without Luka. They're not winning shit without him after the first round. Mm. They better hope he gets healthy. Jake Kidd's coaching because that's the most off. they'll do. Yeah, that's the most they'll do without him. Yeah, they they're a, they're a contender, a, a finals contender with Luca. He's gonna be on a minutes restriction tonight. Yes, and it looks like he'll be back. Hopefully, luckily he's still so young that calf strain might not be as bad. But those are the kind of guys that I think are more valuable than guys like Nikola Jokic. That yeah. again, once again, show in the finals or in the playoffs rather. They can't do what other guys can or aren't as valuable. And so the MVP award, in a long-winded way about it, I think this this award needs a, a serious reconfiguring. A, 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 they need, a, they need a, a take a step back and give us precise reasons as to why a guy's an MVP. Because year in and year out, unless it's an obvious one like a LeBron or a Steph, there's not this... Okay, this is why he's the MVP. This is why he is the MVP. There's always these new differences, and it always, quite frankly, is way too narrative driven. It's way too narrative driven. That's it's why hard, Russell hard, Westbrook and James Harden award. Won. There's a lot of guys deserving of it in my well, mind. Well, and now it's too analytical heavy when it comes to Jokic. Mm. It's way too analytically heavy. But again, it's not year to year. They don't do analytics, analytics, analytics. It's analytic this year. Oh, this guy went from this team to this team, and he's averaging 36 points a game. MVP. Like we don't know what it what it's based off of. Yeah. So if the NBA MVP as a whole, do me a solid and hold this L. My final L is the one that my blood my blood is still still boiling over because of the fact that um, it, it it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And it's it's the dark side of, of sports. So the USFL just came out this week of these last couple weeks um, and, and the games have been watched. They said that supposedly the first week there was around 3 million viewers, which, great, you know, that's awesome. Um, but we saw the Pittsburgh Maulers, and I don't understand why you'd ever do this in camera or at all, but they did. They did They did it at all, and they did it in front of a camera. So Kirby Kirby Wilson, I mean, was, was that his name? I think it's, I think it's Kirby Willis or Kirby Smith. Yeah. Something like that. Kirby Wilson. Sorry, Kirby Wilson is the head coach of the Pittsburgh Maulers. And he cut a player for ordering pizza instead of eating chicken salad. I'm going to play the video for you guys so you can hear it, and I recommend you go and look this video up. This is about as unbelievable as it gets when it comes to sports. This is their meeting. There's like there's there's two other uh, staff members with Kirby, and the player walks into the – it looks like a hotel room or a conference room. Crossed the line, so we had to deal with it. This is very difficult for me as a head coach, my first time. But we have a business, okay? This is business, and you're a businessman. We all are. Is that the nature of the beast right now? But uh, when I first talked to you guys on March 22nd, I had a handbook, 
I covered some items that were very important to me. Line 46 addresses that. Any disrespect of football or members, staff, USFL, hotel, etc., would not be tolerated. And it's been brought to my attention that has occurred with you. So unfortunately, unfortunately, hear me out, unfortunately, cost of doing business, I'm going to have to let you go. Okay? I didn't think I did anything or said anything disrespectful. I, I can tell you what happened exactly. It's not important right now. Right. It's not important. I don't know. It's already happened. Right. It's already happened. I didn't say anything disrespectful. He said, is that going to be a problem? I said, yes. I said, and I walked away. I mean, I didn't think that was disrespectful. Me saying, yes, I don't eat chicken salad. And I was like, is there another option? Walked in with pizza. And I was like, can I get a slice of pizza? He said, no. I was like, he said, is that going to be a problem? I said, yes. That's all I said. I didn't say no cuss word, nothing. That's all I said. I promise you, no disrespectful on my dad's life. I promise you I didn't say nothing disrespectful besides yes. And, and I appreciate you sharing that, but the matters, it's done. It's done. And I appreciate you sharing that. But good luck. Someone's feelings, hurt feelings, are a distant second to the greater good of the team. And we've moved on and turned that page, and I'm happy we did it. Yeah, greater greater good of the team. Uh, you, you cut a guy because he has a food preference. Pizza. <laughs> and Davion Smith has been very. That's the player that got cut. He's been uh, very vocal on Twitter, and he's been he's been standing firm on his uh, his story, and he tells the truth. And he's had teammates back him up since. There are some people that just do not belong in a position of power because they don't know how to handle power. And Kirby Wilson is clearly one of those people. He's trying to make a name for himself by using this bullshit, archaic rhetoric that doesn't work. Honestly, I don't even want to call it archaic because that wouldn't have made sense 40 years ago. I think there's just an absolute stupid power trip that Kirby Wilson's using because he finally got himself a head coaching job in the USFL, and he thinks he's got the right to tell other grown men how they can eat and what they can eat. And if it, and if you eat something that I don't deem is right, I can cut you because that's disrespect to the team. Or this is for the betterment of the team. And it's that's just absurd. Dude. That's just stupid. Nobody supports that. Even the guys. I, I want you to go watch the video, guys. I really hope you can watch it. You see the other guys in the room. There's three total. There's four total men in there. There's Davion Smith and Kirby Wilson on the right side of the camera, and there's two staff members on the left side. You can just tell. And I don't want to put words or thoughts in these people's bodies, but you could tell they're sitting there going, "This is ridiculous." Yeah. It makes no. It makes no sense whatsoever. You do something like this, and I'm. I'm just. I'm appalled. And my, honestly, my heart goes out to Davion on Smith because you know this guy's put in the work to get an opportunity to play football at that level. Hopefully he finds another job. And hopefully man. he does, man, because this is just a really pathetic way to go. And even in the conversation when Davion's trying to explain, he goes, I said nothing. Does, well, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Yeah, that's because not, you're saying break that, the rules, technically. Yeah, you're, you're literally saying the disrespect is what got him cut. Right. So you don't even know what ground you stand on. And, of course, Kirby Wilson, after he said what he said, just walks out yeah. of the room and just lets Davion Smith and these guys awkwardly sit there as he's having to deal with this the thought that he's being cut for literally nothing. It would have been one thing if, hey, Davion, look, man, uh, we gave you an opportunity to show what you got. Uh, we we like what yeah. you, you know. You see, it's, it's just not, not for us. Yeah. It's not a good fit. And we hope you can get signed somewhere else. That's one thing. No one's even making stories about this. And if Kirby Wilson did this for notoriety, for attention, this only blew up in his face. Because now it makes him look like an even more of a joke. And I honestly didn't know who Kirby Wilson was before this. And now I do know what Kirby Wilson is. And he's a fucking clown in a head coaching position. So for that, Kirby Wilson, you do me a solid and hold this L. L.
It's nothing personal, you know. No, yeah. just I can't take that kind of disrespect, Kirby. I thought it was like a fake thing when I first saw it. I thought it was like a joke, but then I actually watched the video. I was like, this is this is a real. This is real. It's really right. happening. This is real. <laughs> and it's real. <laughs> so I would love to hear from you guys uh, in regards to our draft picks. What you guys think? You know where we got it wrong, where we got it right. If you agree, disagree. I definitely want to get your guys' thoughts on this because this isn't something that Trevor and I are experts in when it comes to the draft. But this is something that I wanted to take very seriously, especially this year, because I think this is extremely pivotal for the Chiefs' success for this year and for at least the next three years. Mm. Because there's a lot of veteran players that are already gone or will be gone in the very very near future. Like I mentioned, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Travis Kelsey's getting older. Like The Chiefs are going to have to start making some moves to re-up and, and get younger. Now, they are a very young team still. Only average around 25, 26 years old as a, as a yeah. roster. But... You still have to go and get talent. You have to still and get get guys that are going to be day one contributors that replace guys like Tyron Matthew, that replace guys like Chris Jones one day, potentially re- replacing McCole Hardman and Juju Smith-Schuster and guys of that nature. The Chiefs have a lot of holes to fill in this in this offseason. They didn't do it in free agency. They didn't do it in trades yet. But I do believe they're going to do it in the draft. And I think because of Brett Veach and his ability to identify talent throughout the draft, no matter which round it is, and he's shown us that over the last two drafts in particular, I think he found himself a rhythm. I think Brett Veach is going to get this team a couple big-time starters in this draft class in particular because, like I said, on average, he's gotten the team two starters per year. I think that's only going to continue, and I think he's going to find himself a cornerstone piece at edge rush. I think he's going to find himself a cornerstone piece at defensive tackle and hopefully a wide receiver because that would make things only that much more cake and easier for Patrick Mahomes to do what he does each and every week, which is dominate the NFL. So we're going to leave it there. I do appreciate everybody that's been a part of this. And like I said, please YouTube to, uh, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Spoken Podcast. I put it on every single one of our video clips that I post throughout the week, that we post throughout the week. You can always just subscribe to there, share it to your friends, other sports fans out there. We've had, I've actually had some DMs this week of people from all over the country that said that they appreciate what we're doing. We had a guy that shared his story uh, that was an actual former football player. It was really cool. I would like to get him on the show. But the point is that it's not hard for the word to get out. Mm. And we appreciate all you guys that are out there supporting us and doing what you guys do as well. And we'd love to, for that to continue. So for that, for the Eddie Ortiz who's on the show for the second street week, get bet, get better, brother, for Trevor Twidwell, for the gr- great Clay Winler that puts all this together. I am Lance Twidwell of The Spoken Podcast. Episode 164 is done. It's finished and it's finito and until we get here at 165 where we reflect on the Chiefs draft picks and draft selections we out of this bitch later we're gonna get out of this bitch thank you so much for listening guys see ya you are tuned in to Spoke. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit.